Hello everybody, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And welcome to It Takes Two, a podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. In this week's episode, we watched Unpregnant and... Where's the title of the other one? Never, really, sometimes, always. Yeah, I kept mixing up the order of those words. Yeah, so I wrote it down and it was just because the unpregnant's in bold on my note and the other one's not. Um, So in this week's episode, uh, there is a ongoing elements of political debate. um, And if you have any strong feelings against um, pro-choice or pro-life, um, obviously we're just discussing the movies, we're not making any political statements. Just wanted to put that out there. That we're... Okay. He's given me, he's given me eyes here not to make any political statements. <laughs> um, yeah, so these are two movies. Um, it's interesting because having watched them now, the tone is totally different in both of them. But oh, yeah. they're two movies about a pregnant teenager in the United States in a relatively rural area or small town um who so she becomes pregnant as a teenager and then discovers that she cannot get an abortion in her home state without her parents permission and she does not want to tell her parents so her and a friend travel to another state for her to get an abortion without her parents permission yeah that's the plot of both of these movies exactly and they're both released in 2020 yeah so yeah the Unpregnant has a far different tone. Yeah, so Unpregnant is a very light-hearted, it's a, it's a buddy comedy. It's a coming-of-age yeah. buddy comedy. Yeah. Uh, road trip movie. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always is... Um, uh, art House? Yeah, yeah, I think it's very arty. It's, it's definitely a drama. Um, and it's... You know, it's very serious, very well-researched. I do think both movies have researched. Yes. And they're both quite accurate. Because I think Unpregnant, for all of the comedy elements, um, you know, it doesn't make light of the fact that she has become pregnant as a teen, or it doesn't make light of the fact that she needs to have an abortion, or, you know. Yeah. Um, and they do, you know, she does her research and things, and the, that's that her whole character is that she's a person who plans that she does research and she does everything and this has just happened to her and suddenly she has no control. Yeah. Um, whereas in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, um, it's taken very, very seriously the whole way through. So the whole movie is very serious. And yeah, there's, there's some tones in that that are way darker. Like, yeah. There's some sequences in there that made me uncomfortable, and I forced yes. all your friends to watch Killer Joe as a joke, <laughs> which makes most people uncomfortable. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, it. it's a movie that wants to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because obviously and it's a it's movie succinct. that's, yeah, it's a movie that's making a political statement and saying, why are we doing this to our teenagers? Yeah. You know, that's obviously the purpose of it. Uh, I think Unpregnant probably has a similar message behind it, but at the same time it's saying, it's kind of accepting and going, this is how life is for these people. Um, the you know. thing that I found interesting, um, obviously before we get into the movie, we're just discussing a little, you know, caveat. Um, your research into why, because both these movies, if the you don't have an issue with them politically, I recommend watching them. 
um, even as a um, what, what am I? Uh, a white male. Um. Okay. I thought you were going to come out as pro-life for a second there, right? We were going to have a totally different discussion. Um. I should say, technically, I'm pro-life in the terms of, and you know, I, I support people being alive. But I think pro-life is an, an inaccurate term for the people who refer to themselves as pro-life. Yeah. Um, because what they are is anti-abortion and generally anti-women's health. Yeah, 100%. Um, and women's rights as well, which is a big thing that's coming to play. But anyway, we're not getting political. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a hard episode to not get political. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad we haven't, you know, put ourselves down as non-political people. Um, well, just for this episode, because okay. it is it is a hot button topic. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to discuss politics because yeah. we can't not because they're politics. in the movie. Yeah, but this is this is not our. Um, yeah, but personal I mean, feelings. I think what you were going to say was the reasons for the low ratings. Yes. So, as a straight white male uh, demographic, which majority of people that listen to podcasts tend to be, unless it's a really niche podcast. Um, I recommend these movies just because this is a situation we could be in on the opposite end of, and this is, you know, it's an important, you know, turning point politically. Um, but what I was going to say was, yes, moving on to the research that you did, these movies are really, really good, yep. and the reason they have low ratings is... Because uh, people who are pro-life... Um, have purposely gone on and given them one star ratings or or zero percent ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and lowered, yeah. uh, without having seen the movies. So um, never really, sometimes always has a seven point four on IMDb, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Unpregnant has a six point three. I would argue both of those movies deserve higher ratings. One hundred percent. Um, and it was actually the um Rotten Tomatoes ratings are interesting because if you look at the uh, audience never really sometimes always has 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Unpregnant has 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those are the audience scores. Whereas if you look at the critics, never really sometimes always has 99%. It's in the top 100 movies of all times critically rated on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And Unpregnant has 90%. Yeah. So they're good movies. They're well made. Um, well casted. Those, yeah. I mean, the actresses actresses in both movies are fantastic, um, but because they are about the subject matter that they're about, people have purposely rated them low. Yeah. Um, because they don't fit within their own political ideals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so rolling into the movies, um, as Lisa said, both these movies revolve around a girl who finds out she's pregnant, doesn't want to be pregnant, and then has to face the consequences of um, her state legislation, yep. um, which in both the states, which I believe um, unpregnant with Bailey and Veronica, Veronica being the girl pregnant and unpregnant, is in Missouri, Missouri. Yep. and she has to go to... Um, New Mexico. New Albu Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then... The girls, um, Autumn, and I can't remember the cousin's name. Skylar. Uh, Autumn, the pregnant girl from really, not never really, sometimes, always, 
is traveling from uh, Pennsylvania to New, New York. York. So that's a much shorter journey, and they yeah. take um, a bus. Yeah, two buses. Yeah, two buses. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get off. Why? They said so. Okay. Uh, it's funny, because one of the notes I actually wrote down, um, I don't remember where I wrote it, so I'm not going to look it up, but it was basically that the entirety of Never Really Sometimes Always feels like August 2012 to me. Because in August 2012, I was living and working in Canada for a summer. I was in Toronto. Mm -hmm. My cousin was doing a J-1 visa in Chicago. And I took a 14-hour bus from Toronto to Chicago and, like, transferred in Detroit at 2 a.m. and was sitting in bus stations. And, you know, so the whole lighting, because a lot of this movie takes place in Buses, bus stations, subways, subway stations. Yeah. Um, and they don't, because they travel and then they have to stay there for a couple of days because they don't realize they have to stay a couple of days and they don't have anywhere to stay. So they're staying in these stations or they're yeah. staying out all night or up all night or one of them sleeping on the subway while the other is keeping watch. Um, so there's a lot of that lighting um, and all very neutral colors, very neutral tones. And it feels like how it feels to be awake for 48 hours yeah. trying to get a bus somewhere to see someone. Um, so it, it just the atmosphere of it was very nostalgic to me in a weird way. Um, yeah, there's... We should probably roll into it because otherwise this is going to be a very long episode. <laughs> um, Unpregnant starts off uh, with a public... Uh, it's a public school bathroom. Yeah. Um, Veronica's taking a pregnancy test and she drops it and this punk chick picks it up and it happens to be Bailey, who's not a popular girl, but they used to be like best friends when they were little kids. Yeah. Um, which, which is quite common in yeah, those kind of movies. Yeah. Um, she's a huge dick to her. Uh, Veronica's a huge dick yeah. to Bailey in the beginning. Um and I've got a note here, doesn't open a private window when Googling. Um. <laughs> but she also, which her, her friends, her so-called friends point out, um, because the whole thing is that um, Bailey then, oh, yeah, Bailey yeah. gets rid of the pregnancy test for her because someone else walks in um, and then it ends up on Instagram with the whole school trying to figure out who took a pregnancy test at school. And, and, the, yeah. and, and what they say to her is like, you know, some idiot took the pregnancy test at school. Um, so she's got a little bit of that. She's, she's all plans and plans and plans, but because she, I think it's because she's so thrown by this, yeah. you know, she does stupid things. So she takes her pregnancy test at school and she, you know, doesn't hide it very well. And then she's not, you know, she's Googling and she rings up the, the oh yeah, I'm the, doing a study or yeah. like, oh, like how does this work? Yeah. So she rings up a local women's clinic or something yeah. and is like, yeah, I'm just doing a study for health class. And I just want to know, you know, if a girl was pregnant, um, you know, when she was 17 years old, we'll say, you know, how would she get an abortion on, does she need her parents permission? Yeah. You know, um, which I guess is relatively a clever way to do it, but I mean, it's not, she's not fooling anyone. Um, before we move on to Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Uh, we'll move back to, so to the, the serious movie. Um, opens with a school talent show with a 50s theme. Yeah, so I spent the whole beginning of Never Really, Sometimes Always trying to figure out when it was set. 
Because I was trying to figure out, was it set in the 50s? Because it is a very, it seems like a very old-fashioned town. And they start out with a very 50s talent show. And yeah. it was all, the way the film is shot, they, with, they have used such a film grain and like really pastel. Like they, it's very neutral. All the colors, all the tone. Um, to the point that like skin looks almost grayish. Like everything yeah. is very washed out. It looks like it was shot in the 50s, even though it was obviously made in 2020, which is clearly an artistic choice. But I spent ages trying to figure out, you know, when was this actually set? But there is reference then. They're watching, like, modern cartoons. And like that. yeah. So it is clearly set in 2020. In the phones. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so she starts off with a talent show. She sings. Um, a guy in the crowd calls out something rude. I can't remember. He calls her a slut. Yeah. Um, and then they're at, like, the standard after thing with the parents... And the mum's quite attentive, but the dad just doesn't give, just seem to give a shit about anything. Yeah, I think it's stated later on in it that he's her stepdad. And oh, okay. He's her, yeah, he's her stepdad. Um, and then she sees the guy who called her out, um, and he's making, like, the, the tongue and the inside of the cheek blowjob face yeah. at her. And she gets up and throws a glass of water and walks out. Um, yeah. She walks into a health centre takes a pregnancy test which is like a standard over the counter like supermarket one like helped by these like 50 year old 60 year old ladies yeah it was upsetting to me because they they seem in that opening or that first part that she goes into the clinic mm. they seem very understanding and yeah. they're like you know they're really nice to her or whatever and then later on they ask her you know is she thinking about maybe having an abortion and when she asks oh is that an option they turn on this shitty super like really creepy false info yeah um anti-abortion propaganda video and it's just really upsetting if um, you ever watch a video and it doesn't have the person introduce themselves as a expert in the field you know the video is bs and there was instantly it's like here's the truth about abortions it's like yeah this is it i was trying to find i knew i wrote down the quote the terrible truth that abortion is a violent act that kills babies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she has this really awkward moment. She's told that she's 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, which I didn't write down at the time, but becomes important later. Yeah. Um, then she goes home and pierces her own nose. Yeah, I thought she was going to do something totally. So she just takes, like, a safety pin out of a drawer and starts heating it up on with the gas, gas stove. Yeah. Um, so I was like, what is she going to do with this? Um, but then she pierces, she gets an ice cube and numbs her nose and pierces her own nose. Yeah. I'm still not sure why she does that. I think my best guess is that she wanted to control something. Yeah. And this was her way of finding something she can change or something she can control when she's in this situation. So her and her cousin work at a supermarket. Um, and there's a sequence where they're both working checkout and then, um... Autumn is facing towards camera and you see Skylo um, behind her and it has a sequence where uh, Autumn is listening to the conversation. There's a very little, this is one of the things, there is very little dialogue in this movie. Yeah. And it's feels real. It makes the movie feel a lot more intense 
and uncomfortable because in comparison to unpregnant, do we watch them on the same day? Yeah, we watched yeah, them, yeah, we yeah. watched unpregnant first and then yeah, yeah. Do um Unpregnant has a completely different tone. Yes. Everything's spoken through in massive length to the point where you're constantly getting exposition from the characters. Yeah. Not in a bad way because it is, like you said, a road trip buddy comedy movie. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and it's and the way they're able to do that kind of constant exposition is because these are two people who shared their childhood friendship together, yeah. and then have not interacted yeah. in several years and they've also like taken different paths in life but yes. we'll talk about that uh, momentarily but yeah and then you have um skylar shutting up like a just a standard you know short talk with the customer yeah who's this creepy rednecky dude yeah um and she's like oh you're having a party and he's like yeah are you inviting yourself and it's like she's a 17 year old girl this yeah. dude's like Nearly 50. Yeah. Or maybe younger, depending on the type of lifestyle he leaves, because it could be could be aged differently. Yeah, yeah. But he's literally like, yeah, like, come along, I'll give you the address. And she's like, oh, like, uncomfortable as shit. And this is happening at work. So this is the... Yeah. The sort of fly on the wall. And then it gets pumped up to 11 mm. when they cash out. So yes. they count the cash manually... And they hand it through to the manager of the supermarket through a tiny slot and he grabs her hand and kisses it. Yeah. And she just pulls her hand. Like, there's a, like a second yeah. of, I can take this. And then it's like, no, now I'm like, this is too much. And then yeah. yanks her hand back and the same thing happens to Autumn. And yeah. you're just like, what the fuck? It's so uncomfortable. And it's so creepy. And because the camera angle as well. Yeah. Because it's just like, the camera, uh, there's no, there's a few wide shots in this movie, but they're not aimed at characters. They're aimed at where they are. Yeah. And why this becomes important is because when you're watching the movie, you feel the emotion because it, you cannot look away. You can't yeah. miss it. It's there. It's literally smack bang center screen looking you know you're having to feel what the person's feeling can i just say it's a brilliant movie yeah it's, it's fantastic just, oh, and that's it's why brilliant. it just and it's um, funny because we watched on pregnant first and i thought on pregnant was a really good movie oh yeah it's it's, it's really and fun i watched this and i was like god this is it's just yeah. a brilliant movie it's just real i like nick said i recommend both of these movies to anyone listening yeah um so i feel like we're gonna get people listening to this episode who haven't watched either of these movies um hundred percent I recommend both of them. Um, so we'll jump back to we'll jump back to Veronica and Bailey's adventure. Yeah. Um so yeah, Veronica's pregnant, um and she goes to confront her boyfriend Kevin. Yeah, so at this point the only person who knows that Veronica's pregnant is, is Bailey. Bailey, who she do, who she was kind of addicted to when Bailey found out. Yeah. Um and, ba you know, her and Bailey obviously have a history, but haven't spoken in years or whatever. Yeah, so she decides she's going to tell Kevin, the boyfriend. Nice guy, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, the ultimate nice guy. So, so Kevin, she calls Kevin and she says, I need to talk to you. And Kevin says, oh, meet me here. And they're in this fancy restaurant or like relatively fancy for 17-year-olds to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
and it's so weird um because she tries to talk to her friends first before she talks to Kevin and when she goes to talk to her friends they're doing this gossip and they're like oh didn't you see someone took a pregnancy test at school yeah, yeah. and all they want interested is the gossip and how stupid this person is so she's obviously is like nope not telling them but she obviously wants to tell Kevin so when because yeah, I think that's the quote what would you do if it was one of us and they're like we wouldn't be that stupid to take a pregnancy test at school yeah so. exactly um yeah so she um so she meets Kevin in this fancy restaurant and she tells Kevin that she's pregnant and Kevin immediately gets down on one knee and produces uh, an engagement ring yeah. and asks her to marry him so my instant my instant reaction is why is he this prepared yeah why why does the 17 year old have a ring ready for this conversation um and then, you know, and she's like, what's going on? You know, she gets him to sit back at the table and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you were unsure about us and what's going to happen next year. And now we have this. Yeah. Which is major alarm bells in yeah, my yeah. head. Um, and it turns out, so he's like, oh, I heard about this scandal and you said you wanted to talk. So I, you know, I thought this must be it. And then he said, and then he tells her that the last time they had sex, the condom broke. And he didn't tell her about it. Yeah. So this guy had seen that um, that they're unsure about the next year because she's planning to go off to college somewhere and he wants to stay in their you know their town in Missouri. Uh, yeah, and there's there's some interesting yeah. parts about his character that yeah. just seem. Okay, we'll we'll touch more on yeah, Kevin's character yeah, yeah. later on when it becomes relevant again. But this is what we know about them. Um, and obviously, he has seen this and thought, if I get her pregnant, yeah. it's a good thing. Because she has to stay with me. She has to stay with me. Yeah. Um, so it's the first time we see the manipulative side of Kevin. It's kind of, at this point, it's kind of like, maybe he's just a total idiot. Yeah. But later on, it's you know, very apparent that he is, he is a manipulator. Um and then obviously she is freaking out about this and she goes off and this is how she ends up with going to Bailey and saying, like, She's, you know. The thing that I wrote down is because she, the first thing she does is looks at Uber. And yeah. it was two grand. 2.5, yeah, I wrote that down. She, yeah. she checks the price of an Uber and it's $2.5,000 yeah. to get an Uber to Albuquerque. Um, so yeah, she. Because at this point she had already, so she had already researched where she could, where the closest place she could get an abortion yeah. was. And had printed a map, worked out all the stops she need to take, how much money she has, how much money she needs, etc., etc. She's plan, plan, plan person. Yeah. So obviously her idea first was get her friends to drive her, and but they're all gossiping. So then her second plan was get Kevin to drive her. Yeah. But obviously that's not happening because he wants the baby. Yeah. Um, and plan number three is Uber, and plan four is shit. I have to go to Bailey. Yeah. Um, so she goes to see Bailey, um, and she, and basically they have the standard conversation of like, hey, I need you to do this for me. And she's like, Bailey's just like, why you're, you know, we were friends, but you're not my friend anymore. And yeah, Bailey asked her, I, can't remember, I didn't take down the direct quote, but something like, you just thought, you know, Bailey nothing has do. nothing better to do. And, yeah. she's, and she goes, yeah. Pretty much, so Bailey slams, slams the door in her face. <laughs> she slams the door in her face, and then she opens. She's like, 
I'm but, just joking. You're right. I have nothing better to do. Um, Can I just actually take a moment to go back? That um, that moment where where we find out that Kevin intentionally wanted her to be pregnant, um, is important because in Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, the title of the movie comes from a questionnaire she does before she gets the abortion, where she's asked a series of questions and has to answer never, rarely, sometimes, or always. And one of the questions is, has your partner ever tried to get you pregnant when you didn't want to be? Yeah. So that is one of their red flags for abuse, and it's what Kevin has done in this movie. And obviously they make it a lot more lighthearted and unpregnant, but that is textbook, what he has done. Yeah. Um... So yes, yeah, so I go to the garage and open it, and it's a Trans Am like muscle car, like painted Firebird on the front, like um, electric blue or crushed blue. I can't remember the exact color of it, but it's you know. It, and she's just like, "Hang on, I didn't calculate for this car, like gas wise. Um, this is gonna be more expensive gas wise." And Bailey's just like, "Don't worry about it. Let's go." Um, so they you know hit the road. Um, and Veronica along the way through the movie um, up to a certain point is I've got it um, written down has a quote so basic sharing trash um, she's doing Instagram posts to throw up an illusion to everyone who follows her on Instagram including her parents and her friends that everything's fine but also which she brings up later on because it's part of her planning 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 character she is curating her Instagram feed for college applications. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me. She literally says at one point to Bailey, colleges look at this sort of shit. Yeah. So she, her, I don't know for how long, but it's implied for you know at least this year, has been purposely creating... A facade. Yeah, a social media... She's, so, she's marketing herself via social media to colleges, yeah. which is such an interesting concept. Um... You almost wish they touched on it more, but it's interesting. But it's all actually kind of good that they've just kind of left that as yeah. this is a part of her character and a part of what life, normal life, is to her. Um, so yeah, they, her and Bailey, pull up at a dodgy part of the neighborhood um, and go into a pawn shop. Yes, because uh, she to, decides to to be able to afford everything. She's going to pawn Kevin's the, engagement ring. The engagement ring. Yeah. So they go to the pawn shop. And I can't remember the actress's name, but she's been in stuff. Oh, has she? I didn't recognize her. Yeah. The, the poncho um, lady. She's fantastic. I think, I, think I just wrote down she's a boss. Yeah. Um, she's so good. Um, so they have this like sort of awkward conversation of like, how old are you? You know, I need this money, blah, blah, blah. And she's saying, you know, I can't buy this from you because you're 17 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then... Kevin walks in. Kevin bursts in with a bunch of roses and he's going to explain to her how much she loves you. Yeah, and how great everything is. One of his roses, so his roses are, each of them is supposed to be a reason for them to stay together or whatever, or a reason why their life is going to be great together. And one of the, the, I think the second rose he hands her is for when I teach him or her how to do a kickflip. It's the only one I wrote down. I just thought it was hilarious and also sums up Kevin's character and brain capacity um yeah and then so it turns out kevin has tracked her using an app and has followed her to try to convince her to stay and keep the baby 
etc etc and then he decides when 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 she kind of shuts him down it's like no i'm going to get rid of the baby or you know he decides he wants the ring back and the pawn shop lady pulls a shotgun on yeah and it's fantastic and he gets up and like oh yeah no because actually what happens is when he says he tracked her on the app she takes his phone and she throws it on the ground smashes it because she's so freaked out about the fact and it's hilarious because bailey had been calling him a stalker beforehand yeah and then they're like you are a stalker, you know? Um, but yeah, so the pawn shop lady pulls a shotgun on him and he leaves. And then she says, you know, I'll give you this amount. For, I can't remember how much. I think it was like $1,300. Yeah. And then says, if this ever comes back on me, I'll sew you into a human Yeah, centipede. and that's, this, is, this is the quote, the quote <laughs> I kept. Is they're saying like, thank you so much. And she literally just says, any of this comes back on me, I'll sew you two together as a human centipede. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. It's so good. Um... But Kevin is such a creep and a stalker and a manipulator and a shithead. Yeah. Oh, I just don't like Kevin. He comes up, he, he appears later in the movie and we'll talk about him at length at that point. I think I wrote a whole lot of notes there. Um, God, I don't like him. So yeah, they sort of, where I'm going to pause in, in Unproven is they stop at a gas shop. Uh, gas shop. Why have I written gas shop? The gas shop. The shop you buy gas from. Um, the gas station to buy snacks and stuff and yeah. Bailey's like on like a weird like this is fun we're having fun yeah like, she's trying to she make tr- it a fun road trip yeah. thing where obviously Veronica with her sort of anal retentive planning is like going um, how much she's spending why are you doing this like yeah. but then and she, again it's like the nose piercing yeah. she is trying to Have maintain control. control um because she's at a point in her life where she has lost control and she's clearly a control freak yeah yeah i think at that point what i wrote is uh this is i didn't remember bailey's name at this point i wrote ex weirdo friendo um (laughs) is very spur of the moment spontaneous opposites buddy cop movie yeah is what i wrote (laughs) um and then before they get in the car because they're like gonna go and veronica obviously pays for everything um bailey makes a drink which is half blue raspberry half whatever the hell like it's a slushy thing that's got blue on one end, red on the other, and then a shot of Coke, yeah. Coca-Cola. Um, and then it's like, hey, it's their old drink. And they get in the car and leave. Yeah. Moving over to... Never uh, really, sometimes always. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point to move over because obviously we've just discussed how they get their money for their trip. Yeah. Which is the pawn shop yeah. with, the, with the engagement ring. And in Never Really, Sometimes Always... Um, what happens is, so first off, we're going to have to rewind a little bit. When she discovers that obviously she can't get an abortion where she is, um, she starts researching ways to give herself... Oh, yeah, that this fucking is, scenes. Yeah, so this is really upsetting. So yeah, so she Googles the abortion laws for under-18s in Pennsylvania and discovers she needs parental cons- consent, yeah. doesn't want to tell her parents. So she Googles self-induced abortion... Um, at which point I've written, not a good sign. I'm not looking forward to what comes next. Um, so first of all, she takes a whole bottle of vitamin C supplements. So I looked that up and apparently it is a common like myth that you can um, self-abort using vitamin C. Uh, but there's no evidence that it actually works. It would be a very hard thing to test. Yeah, but it's supposed to be one of the safest ways to do it because overdosing on vitamin C isn't going to cause you a lot of harm. Yeah. Um, and then she starts repeatedly p- 
punching herself in the stomach. Yeah. Which is really hard to watch. Um, and she's and then we get another scene at their work where she starts getting dizzy and sweaty and then she leaves the till to go vomit. Yeah. Um, at which point Skylar comes to check up on her in their staff bathroom um, and asks her, you know, what did the doctor say? And she said, they couldn't help me. Mm. So she's like, what do you mean? And she just goes, I took a test. Yeah. And that's about it. So this is, you were saying, there's not very much dialogue in this movie. So basically, Skylar and Autumn are very quiet, very reserved people. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I saw someone online complaining about it because they said, there's, you know, it's very unrealistic because no teenager, you know, no teenagers talk this little. I was like that. Yeah. I was a very quiet teenager you know and i was very reserved especially in like school situations or you know whatever um and my first job i was very very quiet very nervous very shy and they are they just are very reserved so yeah. it's i feel like it's very believable um so the the skylar brings it down to their manager and tries to tell them you know my cousin is sick this is where we learn that they're cousins um, and she's like, I need to take her home. And then he says, I'd get lonely if you left. It's so creepy. Um, so they keep working for the next few hours. And then when they're counting the money at the end of the day, for every note she puts in the envelope, she puts another one in her pocket. Yeah. And it's never, a word is never said about it. Autumn just looks at her and then looks up at the camera and is kind of like, you know, I eyeing her to be like, are you really doing this? And she just acting like she's doing totally normal work is pocketing the money. And that's how they get the money yeah. for their trip. Um, and then when they leave, um, when they leave the store, she puts the money in Autumn's bag. And then they go to one of their houses. I'm not sure which. I think it might be Autumn's house they go to together. And they start researching buses and train yeah. schedules um, and pack a suitcase. So it's all very serious, very quiet. They don't say a word through this whole... So they have the conversation in the bathroom as Skylar interacts with their boss, and that's it. After that, there's no dialogue until yeah. they're on the bus, I think. Um, yeah, because yeah. literally it goes from um, cousins, manager is a creep, and then bus trip is literally my... Yeah, I wrote that I want to punch him so bad. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so they're on the bus, and then they have to switch buses mid, obviously, because, you know, one bus route would only go to a certain point, and then another bus, if you're continuing on, yeah. or bringing people to that, that side, you know, they would switch sides, so one bus is on. Yeah, it's know. quite common on those long-haul buses as well that they'll stop and just stop for a break. Yeah. Um, so this is probably something along that lines of the driver can only drive a certain amount of time. Um. You know, so he's he's stopping for a break, but rather than making them all stop for a break, they move on to another bus and yeah. moves on, uh, which um, makes sense. Same thing happens in New Zealand, yeah. um, usually Palmerston, especially if you're going north from Wellington. Um, it's only fresh in my mind because of um, when I went to my nana's funeral. That's where I stopped. Right. Because I'm not paying two hundred and seventy dollars to fly to Napier when it cost nineteen dollars to take the bus. Um, Fair Oh, where are we up to? Yeah, switching buses, and then the a guy gets on the bus. Yeah. And then they like have a like he's chatting up Skylar. Yeah. And then she takes his number, and it's sort of. Oh like, yeah, no, she gives he gives her 
his phone and she puts her number in. I yeah. wrote, I hope she gives him the fake. Turns yeah. out she doesn't. Um, and then they, they're on the subway. Oh, they get off the bus terminal and he's like, do you guys know where you're going? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they're trying to get rid of him. Basically. Yeah. And then... Um, they go to an info desk and the guy at the info desk is really abrupt. Because they're like, they're like, how do we get here? And he's like, take this up, take this subway or this subway. And they're like, oh, how do I get to the subway? And it's like, down that stairs, have a good day. Yeah. Um, it's really abrupt. And they're, you know, it's all very, it's supposed to make us feel lost. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people, they don't know where they are. There's, you know, when they try to ask this guy for help, he's very abrupt with them. And, you know, they're just trying to figure it out. And they're obviously in a stressful situation to begin with. And when you have a look at where they've been and, you know, like the, the sequences where they're walking down the street, uh, where, where Autumn's walking down the street in Pennsylvania, she's like the only person there. Yeah. And then they get to New York and there's just crowd, like, instant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. And then they go to the clinic that she... Oh, because they call... They call... Uh, she, Autumn receives a call from... From the Pennsylvania Women's yeah. Clinic asking... Can she come back in? And she's like, oh, no, I'm busy today. And they're like, what about tomorrow? And then she's like, oh, can I call you later? It's a really busy, it's a really bad time right now. And they're like, we'll call you later. And yeah. it's like, they're being real persistent because I think they know yeah. what her what she wants to do. And they want her to you know, carry the baby to term and give it up for adoption is what they were pushing her to do. So, yes, uh, then they go to... The uh, they're going to the clinic and there's a security checkpoint at the clinic, which is clearly checking them because of the X-ray and then. Yeah, they check the bags. I thought that was really interesting because obviously they have big problems with um, protesters. Yeah. And they're worried about what they might be bringing into the clinic if they're not actually there for, a legitimate appointment. So he checks their IDs and he checks their bags yeah. and things. And then they go inside, um, and then you have a sequence where um, I was going to say Bailey. Um, Autumn <laughs> is tested again, and it turns out that the clinic that she saw in Pennsylvania lied to her. Yes. Um, and said she, she was... They said she was 10 weeks pregnant. Yeah. She's, she's actually 18 weeks. Yeah. Um, and in the clinic that she's gone to now in New York, they can only do abortions up to 12 weeks. Yeah. She's still now in the second trimester. Yeah. Um, although I don't know... She did say that her when she asked, when she was asked about when her last period was, she said she wasn't sure and mm. she's very irregular. Um, but it's if she's 18 weeks pregnant, um, that's four months. I don't know how you don't notice missing your period for four months. Um, but she did... I mean, she did say initially that it, her, menstrual, her menstrual cycle is irregular. So, yeah. Um, I guess it's... And honestly, actually, at that age... It's quite common for it to for you to skip months, um, she's only seventeen. Yeah. Or I don't think her age is actually said. It said she's under eighteen, so she could be. She's over fourteen, under eighteen is what we know about her. But she looks about seventeen. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm just catching up with myself on these notes. Oh yeah, the self-inflicted bruises during the ultrasound were pretty because that's like. Yeah. If you were the technician, you'd be like. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So her, her stomach is covered in bruises when she gets her sonogram. Um, um, and then, yeah, so she finds out that she can't have an, a, the procedure there and then has to go to another place, which is in... Because they were in Brooklyn and they had to go to... Manhattan. Manhattan. Um, and she's also told that in the clinic in Manhattan, 
um, because she's in her second trimester, it will be a two-day procedure. Yeah. They can't do a simple one-day procedure. Um, which is actually touched on in Unpregnant as well, kind of. Um, but it's that she can, because she's so early in her pregnancy and Unpregnant, she can be, because I think she's seven weeks. Yeah. I think that's what she is in Unpregnant. Um, she can take a pill, but if she takes the pill, she has to come back for a yeah. follow-up appointment if she wants to get it done on one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, we find out then Scarlett didn't give the dude a fake number because she starts, or he's texting her and she's like, oh, look at this, yeah. she's texting me three times and she's like, just do you know, yeah. I feel like their dialogue, while there's not very much of it, it's very authentic. Yeah. They feel like just cousins who are just like, you know, like chatting about so that, you know, they, they don't need to talk a whole lot. Because um, they're very comfortable in each other's position, um, thing. So they go, they're at a, either a bus station or a train station, and they're obviously planning to spend the night there, and then a security guard comes in and tells them That's that close. it's closed at 4am. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you can't sleep here, you need to go. So then they get on a subway, um, and Skyler is sleeping, and Autumn is awake, and there's a guy just staring at her, and then he starts touching himself, and she's like, wake up, we gotta go, you know, yeah. well, she doesn't say that, she just kind of shakes her, and like, moves her head, and they get off, um, and it's not like it's hidden either, like, he literally is, like, staring at her, because he's clearly drunk, yeah, or, no, he's clearly drunk, because he's wearing, like, a business suit, and, like, staggering, yeah, and um, he's just standing right in the middle of the subway, making direct eye contact, yeah. and then he just re-zips, unzips, and reaches into his pants, and yeah. it's so creepy, because I had, I was writing, Right? And I had typed the word creepo in all capital letters and wrote creepo on the subway. And by the time I started trying staring at her, he had started. Yeah. And I was like, I'm touching himself. Um, so then they find an arcade and yeah. they spend the rest of their, their night or some of their night. It's very unclear what time of day it is for a lot of this movie. Yeah. And I think that's because for them, they're mostly staying awake. So it's, it all merges into one. And, that, I, and I said the... Yeah. the the camera focuses on the characters' emotions rather than where they are. Yeah. Um, I do have a little issue. So Slater, Slater, Jesus. Skyler. Skyler, um, <laughs> is playing like one of those dance, dance, dance resolution. resolution games. Yeah. Um, and then Autumn goes to play tic tac toe tic tac toe with a live chicken. Yeah. How. I don't know. How is there a live chicken in an arcade? But anyway, we, she... we have got people listening to our podcast in New York. So if any of you have been to an arcade in New York where you can play tic-tac-toe against a live chicken, please explain that to yeah, us. Yeah, please tweet at us because we'd want to know. Yeah. Um, but the worst part about that, I'm not, you know, I have an issue with animal rights. Um, yeah. Being for animals, not against, yeah. Um, for or not against um, she loses because she doesn't pick the centre the chicken goes first picks bottom right and she picks like top left and I'm like what? what? you you can't it's going to be a draw but then she ends up picking the wrong pick and the chicken wins the chicken beats her (laughs) this is the worst part of the movie for you is it? yes because always pick the centre I never pick the centre then you'd always lose. No. Yes. Um, We're going to... This is going to be an issue later. No. I'm going to get some paper and a pen. <laughs> and anyway. you're not allowed to pick the centre and I'll bet you you never win. Um, 
And then they go to the bathroom and have what um, she refers to as a French whore's bath, which is, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they go to a bakery. There's a lot of subway scenes, um, yeah. but that's, you know, kind of to be expected because they're in New York City. Um, so when they finally get to this clinic in Manhattan, there's a huge crowd of protesters that yeah. are totally blocking the whole footpath. And they're just saying the Hail Mary over and over again. And they're holding crucifixes and religious imagery. Um, and then they start singing. Um, I can't remember what they were singing. It was, it was a song. It was a hymn that I know the words to from from my choir days. And I instinctively wanted to sing along. But I was like, I don't want to sing along with these people. Um, and they start. it's almost like they're going to follow them into the clinic. The way it's shot, it feels like they're going to follow yeah. them in. But maybe that's because that's how the characters feel. Um, but again, there's a metal detector and their bag search when they get in there and it's like, suddenly you're kind of being like, yeah, this is why they have that. Um, and then it's very, very informative. Um, so at this point, so this is, she goes in and she has like a whole... Can we, can we pause and go back to okay. the, the fun? I say fun, but the fun movie. Can okay, we, we can go pause and go back to the fun um, movie. Because obviously very far on the plot. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. So we'll we'll leave Autumn here when yeah. she arrives for her procedure, and we'll go back to um, our friend Ronnie Veronica and see, and we'll get her up as far as that point. Yeah. That's so yeah, they they've left the petrol station, um, and they've got their weird drinks, and they do a little dance when they cross the state line. Uh, they do like a weird. Um, secret handshake yeah. thing, a friendship handshake thing, where they speak. I had to ask you this because you're a Trekkie and I'm not. But yeah. they speak Vulcan. No. No. Klingon. Klingon. That's what I said. It. What am I saying? I've just said the wrong thing. I said Klingon to you in person yeah. when we were talking about it. I was like, "Oh, are they speaking Klingon?" I've just outed myself as even more of not a Star Trek nerd right now. And I tried to make you watch the first episode of Discovery, and you were like, "Nope." I did, I mean, that's the most Star Trek I've ever watched is the first episode of Discovery. Yeah, because I was making, going to planning in my head to make you watch the rest of it in order of um, when it happened through time rather than... So chronological. Chronological yeah. rather than release. But anyway, um, which would have been very confusing because some of the series has happened at the same time. Anywho, moving back <laughs> to the movie. Um, they Wait, sleep out in the I'm open. So sorry. It's okay. They sleep out and we can edit it out later. Uh, we won't. Um, they sleep out on the open um, and there's like a weird flashback to when they were kids and Veronica saw um, Bailey's parents arguing about Bailey and this is literally like, let's go ride our bikes. Right. Uh, they wake up and they've slept they were supposed to sleep for four hours. Yeah, they're supposed to wake up at five a.m. to meet their, to be in Texas by yeah. nine a.m. to get to wherever. But know. it's nine thirty and they haven't left. And Bailey's like, "Chill out, I'm gonna have breakfast." And is eating funyuns, and then she's trying to eat grabs a bag of funyuns yeah. and scoffs them. But um, they're heading down, and then Bailey is watching the rear view and sees, I, I guess it was a state trooper. State troopers, yeah. Just before the state troopers happen, I just want to point out, there was two billboards they passed, and it's really oh, funny, because yeah. they're one after the other. So I've I've been, you know, on interstates in the USA, and these massive billboards are very common, like all over the place. 
But I just thought it was so funny and obviously intentionally done that they drive past a billboard that's like a religious traditional family one. It's like a family should be, or, you know, marriage should be one woman plus one man plus God. Yeah. And then the next one they pass is hot single girls, barely 18. Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, it's so creepy. But yeah, so then, yeah, so she sees state troopers and then she gets real nervous, turns off the music, she's getting real angsty and then she rapidly turns off the road like last second takes an exit at speed um so i just was like why is she avoiding the state troopers um and then she's like oh i just wanted to get food and veronica's like okay you know like real weirded out by it um and they park around the back i think of the diner they go to yep. and then when they're in the diner the state troopers pull up and we find no, out before that okay so before that they turn up and um, there's a African American boy who calls out to them when they turn up because they're in the corner booth. Yeah, so and the whole group of teens, yeah. teen men, they're all boys, aren't yeah. they? Um, in this corner booth, and they're kind of eyeing them up and stuff. And this yeah. one guy gets up. Then comes over and talks to them, and is all like, you know, whose car's that? And Bailey's like, mine. Yeah. And then he's hitting on them and then she has like a massive comeback and then all her mates like all yeah. his mates like howl and laugh at him yeah yeah so he's so first of all one of the things he says to him is like oh what kind of trouble are you guys in and they're like none blah blah yeah. um and then um yeah her comeback to him is if you're gonna you know shoot your shot make sure your zipper is up yeah and his friends are all like what you know um so they sit down and they order their food and then the state troopers yep. pull up. And, and at this point, yeah, Bailey admits to Veronica that... What? Oh, no, sorry. You there's a bit you're missing. Um, okay. Veronica admits to Bailey that she hasn't booked the appointment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that happens first. Then it comes out that the car's stolen. Well, yes. not stolen. It's her, her mom's, mom's boyfriend's... boyfriend's Car. Her which mom's was, asshole boyfriend's car is what which, said. which is Phil spelt with an F. Yeah, who spells Phil with an F is yeah. the joke um, that they, they say that earlier on in it, which is funny. Um, but yeah, so she's so she has taken, borrowed without permission, her yeah. mom's boyfriend's car, um, which he has obviously reported stolen, and the state troopers have, have all pulled up, and they're going around the diner asking people... Is that your car there? Do you know yeah. it was a car or whatever? They obviously get to the teen boys first. Um, because when they come over to talk to Bailey and Veronica, before they say anything, the guy who had tried to shoot his shot stands up on the table and starts singing. Yeah. Um, and then he's like kind of giving them head gestures and then Veronica cops it and grabs Bailey and they run out the back entrance and they just keep running. They don't go to the car. Yeah. Um, so she now doesn't have her backpack with her map and her plans and her chargers and her everything yeah. in it. Um, and then they're, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do, find a bus stop or something. And these kids pull up, the, the guys from the diner pull yeah. up beside them. And they take them to a racetrack and they watch a race. I don't know what kind of racing it is. Stock cars, maybe. Yeah, it seems like stock cars, all the cars are the same, and it just depends on the race driver's skill. It's on an angled mud circuit. I'm pretty sure it's stock cars. Okay. I'm just going to apologize at this point for how long our episode is and how long it's going to be, because we're already at a point that is longer than a lot of our previous episodes. Yeah, I said that at the beginning. Um, but I think we're just going to continue until 
yeah, we've yeah. covered it all. Yeah. So um, apologies that this is longer than normal, but yeah. um, we just want to cover it, and they're both good movies. Or if you'd like longer episodes, please tweet at us. Yeah, if you prefer longer episodes, absolutely let us know. Yeah. Um, we tend to just you know get them out in whatever length it takes to, to tell the story of the yeah. movie. And these are two very good movies, so if you are going to tap out at this point, do watch both movies. Yeah. I recommend them. Anyway... So yes, um, then yeah, they're at stock cars, and then the friend of the boy who's interested in Veronica um, wins in number ninety six, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that was correct. Um, and then the driver turns out to be a cute tomboy. Yeah, and, named Kira. Yeah, and then Bailey has an instant lady boner. Yeah, what I have written is big gay moment. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so it's yes, it's their it's their big gay moment, or it's it's uh, it's Bailey's big gay moment, yeah. um, or you know it's when we as an audience realize Bailey is not straight. Yeah, um, so they have a conversation with Kara, which is like, hey, um, I do some things, but like I'm I can take you as far as that agreed, which is not all the way to Albuquerque, but it's still closer. Um, yeah, it's Amarillo, I think. Is Amarillo, yeah. yeah. And then, um, they, she makes, and like, because they'd been caught up with everything else, um, Bailey forces Veronica by literally taking the phone off her and makes the appointment with the clinic in Albuquerque. Yeah, so this is, so they go, this is after the car race, they've gone to like a fair, a fun yeah, fair thing? Yeah, like a, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they, is that first, or did I, I don't think I actually, I think I just didn't even write it down. I just didn't write down when that happened. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so that happens. Yeah. So she makes the appointment for her. Yeah. And then... They get on a roller coaster. Before they get on the roller coaster, they have a conversation about her being gay or being oh, not yeah, straight. Yeah. And it's funny because... Um, which a lot of LGBT people will, will relate to. And I thought it was very funny. Um, Veronica, as you know, oh, yeah. her straight friend, whatever, is like... You know, she, she likes... First of all, does the whole stereotypical, like, so do you, you know, she does, like, the euphemism, or she's like, you like the whatever roller coaster, but not this, and she's like, oh my god, yes, I like girls. <laughs> it's like, straight up. Um, and then she's like, I'm so glad I'm the first person you told, and she's like, what are you talking about? I've been out to my mom for years. Yeah. I've been out to my friends. All of my cousins know. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's like that assumption of like, you know, like, oh, it's so precious that you came out to me. And she's like, no, you just don't know me. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, they get on this, this roller coaster and then they end up cheering on it being like, we're gay and we're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And then they get off the roller coaster and they're approached by... A couple. A couple. With a uh, small child. And the quote I brought down is serial killer couple. That's what I wrote. I wrote down... It's funny because I knew in, instantly, I knew this was going to be a pro-life people, you know, because the, they're in, like, Texas, in, you know, with very conservative people around, and there's this very conservative mm. family who talk about their Christian beliefs or whatever, instantly. And I, so I knew this was going to be a pro-life thing and with the whole genre of the movie. But what I wrote down was getting mad serial killer vibes from this family. Yeah. Um, it's so, they're so creepy. I would not go with them. 
So the family says, um, don't worry about it, we're actually going to Albuquerque. Albuquerque, yeah. You can just come with us. And they're like, oh, that's perfect, let's go with that. And then they tell Kira, oh, we don't need the ride from you. Yeah, we don't need the ride to Amarillo, these people are going the whole way. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, oh, we'll go get our car. So then Veronica's like, oh, I just got to go to the toilet so that she can give Bailey and Kira a moment alone. Yeah. Uh, where they go on a, they go through a, some, I can't remember, they go through like a fun house or something. Yeah, I've got a cute fun house date and yeah. then ball pit kissing. Yeah. So I wrote down ball pit, ball pit kiss. Ball pits are gross, people. Just yeah. Bleh. Um. And, and then the, you and then you rapidly when they kiss the second time we're deleting we're like I need to make this plural. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, so yes, they get in the the the, the car with the the nice um, serial killer family. Yeah, and then uh, and then they fall asleep in the car and then they wake up in the middle of a desert. Yep. Uh, in the car with the rest of the family not in the car and they get out and the door is open to the house and the family like. We're just stopping for breakfast. Yeah. Sit down and have breakfast and say grace with us. Um, yeah, cult vibe is what I wrote. Yeah, super religious. Um, and the, the, the dad calls the his wife mother, which super creeped me out. And then, so Bailey excuses herself to go to the bathroom. And she just kind of wants to nose around the house. The dad goes who is i like i've seen him in a bunch of things and i was like what do i know him from and the main thing i know him from because i looked him up uh brecken mayer is the actor um we've seen him together in designated survivor he plays yeah. keeper Sutherland's brother but the main thing i recognize him from is he plays john in the live action garfield movies okay. so this is john from garfield um goes to get make a coffee and the wife then starts talking to um veronica, veronica. I'm explaining to her that they heard the phone call of the clinic appointment. Before she does that, she says something like, oh, you know, what are, what are you guys doing going out there? She's oh, like, yeah, yeah. it's such a long way for two girls from Missouri. And she's like, I didn't tell you where we were from. So that's when she said that she overheard the conversation with the abortion clinic. And what I've written is... They overheard the conversation with the abortion clinic and decided to abduct two teenage girls. And then she says, like, you know, you and Kevin are going to have, you know, you're going to be great parents looking after them. And she's like, how do you know about Kevin? And it turns out Kevin called her phone. So the, these guys had also taken her phone without her permission and had charged it yeah. while they were asleep in their car. And she'd taken a phone call from Kevin and had a whole conversation with him about the baby. Yeah. On Veronica's phone while Veronica was asleep. Um... And then at the same time that this real creepy conversation is happening, Bailey upstairs finds a room that is just full of pro-life, anti-abortion signage. Yeah. Um, and so they both decide to run and scream at each other to leave at the same time. Um, and they, they grab the key. Oh, yeah, they, they start talking to each other in Klingon. Oh, this yeah. is the point. They start yeah. talking to each other in Klingon so the guys won't know what they're doing or saying. And they... And Veronica tells Bailey where the car keys are. So they grab the car keys and they run and they steal these this couple's car. And then it turns out they also have this massive caravan that they obviously bring to protest. It's got like a big baby on the front of it and it's like terrifying. Um, he also, he's like falling behind them and like shouting on a PR system through the caravan being like, we just want to give you medical advice. 
Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. He starts to, like, ranting off a whole load of things that are not true. And at one point, she leans out the car and she goes, Frankly, that's a pro- very problematic falsehood to be spreading. <laughs> I just thought that was a great quote. Um, but yeah, so they're... Yeah, so they're they're driving away from this guy. And this guy, and this Jesus freak. Oh, uh, yeah, because there was another point where uh, Bailey says to her, like, you know, we should have taken the ride from the hot lesbian. Yeah. And I was like, she's 100% right, because most queer people are way more tolerant and accepting than these Jesus freaks, is what I've written down. Um, but I love that he's got this big, weird, pro-life caravan thing. So they drive and drive and drive, and then they come to, like... A canyon? A very shallow canyon, but it's still a canyon. I think it's a dry riverbed. Right, maybe, yeah. Um, and they joke about Thelma and Louising it, or just yeah. like driving over it, and then what they do is they jump out of it, out of the car and let the car drive over, and it smashes the front of the car and stops. Yeah. And they hide behind some like driftwood kind of stuff. Some old log, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he pulls up, he stops short of the, the drop, and is like, oh no, oh no. And he's, like, ringing the wife and being like, oh, there's been an accident. And he's like, girls, are you okay? And they're not answering. So he's, like, convinced that they're um, dead in the yeah. car or whatever. Um, and then when he goes down to check, they just like it. Yeah. They run away. Um, and then it's funny because they fought, they see a train going by and they decide they're going to jump it like old-timey hobos. Yeah. That's what they I've say. I've got that note written down as well. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're like, they count down, they're like, all right, on the count of three, three, two, one, and the train's gone. They're like, wow, trains are fast. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, at which point, um, Veronica says one of my favorite lines of the movie, which is a very real line. Um, while they're standing on the train tracks and they're trying to figure out where, where to go or what to do, she says, why do you need consent to get an abortion, but not to actually birth a human child? Yeah. Which is 100%. A++. You're a 17-year-old and you need consent to get an abortion, but you don't need consent to birth a human child. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm talking too much. Do you want to describe what happens next? <laughs> if you want. Um, so they go to the bus stop. Uh, bus stop is like, they're in some shitty rundown nowhere. Um, I apologise if you're from there. Um, somewhere in between, somewhere in there. Anyway, um, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere rural Texas, I presume. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, she ghost calls her mother and by ghost call, she rings her and then doesn't, you know, say anything when she picks up and they find a limo rental, which is next door. And then they knock on it and they're, cause there's someone there and they bang and bang and bang and bang and the dude opens it and it's the actor... Giancarlo uh, Esposito. Yeah, which is fantastic. Who's like, hey, Mike, we need to... Mitch, Mitch is what they do. Mitch, yeah. Yeah, sorry. so it's Mitch's limo, so they yeah. call him Mitch. And, and then he's like, Mitch is a decoy. Yeah. So his name's Bob. Yeah, and he's a pro-choice, and he's clearly ex-military. Yeah, so he's not... I don't think he's explicitly pro-choice, but he's asking them, you know, he's he's scaring them, and he's like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, your business in Albuquerque or whatever? And then she's like, we're getting an abortion. And he's like... And then you know, it's, and then they say like we can't I can't get an abortion in my home state because it's a, I need parental consent and he's like ah oh, big government yeah. so he's obviously a big conspiracy theorist and he's anti government is his big thing so the fact that they're going there uh, he's thinking they're screwing the government so yeah. I'll, so I'll help them so yeah they have um, a real fun limo ride 
which is... Yeah, I've written that she's finally relaxing and finally letting go. And then they play a whole lot of... They play the same Kelly Clarkson song on a loop, I think, is the the joke. Um, And then Bob's just in the front eating, like, fruit with a giant Bowie knife, like a Von Tempsky um, Bowie knife. Um, Which, for you guys who don't know, knives is a big effing knife. Like, think Crocodile Dundee. And if anybody who's too old for that, think any... Rambo or Arnie movie in the 90s. Um, and then there's a moment where he, she just throws her phone yeah. from the... from the, And then um, she realises it's an idiot yeah. thing to do. And she's like, wait, stop the car, stop the car. <laughs> um, and, and then she gets a phone call from her friends because they don't know where she is because she told her mother that she was going studying with them and then obviously she told them that she was doing something so, different. Yeah, so they... But they... When she actually... So she gets messages from them. Yeah. And they're like, ring us... You know, or we think you're abducted or whatever. So she's yeah. taking it seriously, thinking that they think she's gone. Mm. Um, but it turns out they think she's at home studying. They're yeah. like, stop studying, come hang out. Um, but they say that they've solved the pregnancy mystery. Yeah. And the person they think is pregnant is Bailey. Yeah. Um, and Veronica agrees with them and says she seems lonely, so she's probably ho- hooking up with random people. Yeah. At which point I've written, totally uncool, what a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote down, still a dick to her only true friend. Yeah. And Bailey is asleep at this point, but is actually awake and yeah. hears it and is, you know, thinks she's being used, which is understandable. Um, There's a great quote from the next bit, which is, um, they're having an argument about um, her birthday, which is obviously when this beginning of their relationship uh, which was only a couple of years ago, because I think we said 14. You right. never came to my 14th birthday party. Right. And um, Bailey's response is, no one likes carrot cake. Yeah, she's like, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they split up. Um, Veronica goes back to Yeah, well, I was going to say, we have missed an important point, which was when they were in the car with the creepy serial killer couple, and they asked what they were going to Albuquerque for. Bailey oh, yeah. said, we're going to visit my dad. Yeah. He lives there. Um, at which point Veronica was like, wait, really? And then Bailey just kind of won't answer. Mm. Um, yeah. So at this point, they've split up. Um, Bailey is just left. She's just gone. Yep. Um, and then we'll um, jump back into never really, sometimes always. Oh, okay. You want to go back there now? Yeah, because... I thought we'd wait till we got to the clinic. No, because there's still some interesting okay. stuff in between. Yeah. Because um, I want to end on a happy note. Uh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Back with um, Autumn. Turns out that the procedure is going to be very expensive and that she's got insurance, so it can be covered, but she can't pay the entire amount on the health insurance because otherwise the statement would end up with her parents. Yeah, so that's it. If she, if she uses the insurance, so she has insurance, but if she uses her insurance, her parents will know about the procedure. Yeah, so she ends up having to pay out of pocket yeah. from the money that was basically their life fund. Um, and then I've written a note down, who was the father, question mark. Yeah, it's very, very, very interestingly, they've made a choice and never really, sometimes always, to give no screen time to the father. Yeah. They don't even say who the father is. We don't see him. We don't know who he is. We don't know how she became pregnant. Um, 
Well, he's never named. Well, yeah, there's there's some bits later on, but it's he's never named, and we don't know. You know, is it someone at school? Is it you know mm. someone else? We have no idea. Um, which you know, because I wrote down something like um, it's basically the opposite of a Bechdel test, uh, or you know, it's the opposite of failing the Bechdel test yeah. because literally, they just don't acknowledge the man. Yeah. Um, so, so he gets no screen time. This is entirely about her, her journey, how she feels, what's happened to her, what she, do, what her choices are. Um, it's it's very very focused on autumn, and there's no time for the other half of that equation. Yeah. Um, so this is when the sequence comes from the title of the movie. Uh, never really sometimes always is when she's going through a list of questions that are related to sexual health um, and it's clear that at 17 she's been abused sexually maybe not the hard R but it's there's yeah, non-consenty the, yeah kind so of the question so the first question that she doesn't want to answer is um because she's given statements and has to say never really so yeah. always, and it's your partner has threatened or frightened you. Yeah. And she says, "Why are you asking me this?" Yeah. And she's like, "We just need to know." And then she, um, I think she says, "I can't remember." She either says sometimes or rarely. Sometimes. Yeah. It says sometimes. Um, and then it gets progressively darker from there. Yeah. Um, and it's like I mentioned before. You know, has that has your partner tried to get you pregnant without your consent? Um, and it's, you know, has, you know, it's your partner, I can't remember, but, but the, the, the final one of it is, has anyone, because she refuses to answer something, she just yeah. can't, and she, and the whole time she's just getting more and more emotional, and you can see it, and it's so, it's just so well acted, um, and then the last one is, has anyone forced you to have, to, to perform sexual acts against your will, yeah. and she says yes, um, yeah, and, it's really, and what I wrote at that point is just, I feel genuinely really sad for this girl. And then what I wrote is, I'm amazed that this is her first acting gig. Because he went to a big thing and it turns out she used to be a... Um... She's a janitor. Yeah. So it's she, um, or they, she, she uses she and they pronouns. Um, one of the first few non-binary actors to be um, critically acclaimed. Um, I guess also Elliot Page, Eddie Izzard, but they both had had been you know famous yeah, yeah. before they came out. Um, so what did I write? Yeah, so Sydney Flanagan is their name. Um, beat out more than one hundred actresses for the role, and prior to that was a gender, and this is her first acting role. Mm. Uh, and also. While we're on this particular scene, Kelly Chapman is the counsellor who's asking her the questions. Uh, not an actor. She's an actual abortion clinic counsellor that the director met when she was doing research. Hmm. Um, so this is her job and that is... Yeah. I, so I was kind of watching it going like, you know what, that is the kind of person that you would want to be on your side at that point. Um, so it's very, very informative. Um it feels like, and obviously they did the research, but they also have the person who's usually asking those questions, asking those questions. So it's very, very accurate to life, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously the, the, the appointment, the procedure is very expensive because at the end of it, their money's gone. So they've got no way to 
pay for anything. There's like yeah, so they've no money left for the subway or for things. Um, yeah. So they they duck under the turnstiles and then they're just kind of staying at the at the subway and then they have this conversation, um, where you know, Autumn doesn't want to see anyone, doesn't want to talk to anyone. She's had the first half of this procedure. Yeah. Um, she just wants to be totally left alone, but she can't do anything because she's in the middle of a subway, in the middle of a city she's yeah. not familiar with. Um, Skylar is talking to her and is saying, do you want me to call my mom? And she says, no. And she says, do you want me to call your mom? She says, no. And then she says, what do you want me to do? And she just says, fuck off. Yeah. So Skylar then just walks off um, and the bag handle breaks, which I'm not sure if that was intentional or yeah, an accident. I, I had that written down as well. Um, and then... After a minute or so, Autumn gets up to go look for her, and then she's in the bathroom putting makeup on, puts makeup on her, and then they meet up with Bus Guy. They meet up with the Bus Guy. Uh, I thought at the point she was just going to get him to pay for stuff, but yeah. they go to a food place with him, and they pretend that they've already eaten, yeah. so that they don't have to ask him for food. Um, so he pays for his food, and he offers them some fries, whatever. Um... I liked, I took that a quote and it's when he's trying to make conversation with Autumn and he's talking about, you know, where they're from in Pennsylvania. Um, and he says, what do you like to do there? And she says, normal things. <laughs> so funny. But it's so much that she just doesn't want to interact with anyone at this yeah. time. And he, I can totally understand that. Um, yeah, so then they go, he pays for them to go bowling together. Uh, I've written, Skylar is really bad at bowling. And then I said, the creep dude is watching her ass. Um, and then, uh, you know, Autumn excuses herself and she's clearly experiencing cramping. You can tell that, you know, when she goes, as soon as she's alone, she's, yeah. you know, reacting to the pain that she's obviously been hiding. Um, and they don't shy away from showing a bloody pad in her underwear. So yeah. she's obviously experiencing some kind of spotting or bleeding from the procedure um, and the cramping. And they literally show her sitting on the toilet with, a pattern under with blood in it, which mm. I was honestly like, I would like to applaud that because literally, have you ever seen a com like an ad for tampons or um, pads that has the color red in it? No, they're always blue. They're blue. Yeah. It's always like window wiper solution. Why? Uh, because it's. Because, because what, we don't want to show blood? Yeah, because to, it's just one of those stupid things that people have come to this idea that everyone's afraid of, like, the entire subject. It's, yeah. So I just thought, you know, I was the pat on the back to the to yeah. the people who made the choice to, to be like, sh let's show the pat with the blood in it. We don't need her to say to, say to Skylar, oh, I'm It's another one of those movies that's very show, not tell. Yeah. Because um, she doesn't have to go, you know, oh, I'm in pain or, oh, I've got cramps. Mm. You can tell she's got cramps yeah. by the way she's holding herself and the way she's wincing and things. And then you can see that she's got the spotting in her underwear. Um, and that that's when she calls her mom. Again, ghost calling. From the bathroom. And yeah. then she just hangs up on her. Um, and then they go to karaoke and I've written the dude is as bad at karaoke as Skylar is at bowling. Yeah. Um, but then Autumn gets up and sings a song and it's really good because Autumn can sing. Yeah. Um, and then they, these two split up, um, and the yes. cousin goes with the... Yeah, because they ask him for money at this point. Yeah. They say they've lost their bus tickets. Um, and they've lost their money. Is there any way he can lend them a few dollars? And he says, he says that he'll get in a he'll get money from the ATM 
if she'll come downtown with him. And then she's like, oh, no, you know, we've got to get to our bus, whatever. And then um, they split up. And Autumn, I've written, Autumn is giving Skylar watch-out eyes, is she? And then she disappears for ages. And yeah. Autumn's waiting around. And I was like, is she a murderer? Um, is and she, then, what did you just say? Is she murdered? Yeah, That's okay. what I've written. Um, and then Autumn is clearly the way the shots are done. She's very oh, so good. She's very central in the and in these wide shots, and it's this feeling of being lost and yeah. alone at a time where she's obviously already feeling lost and alone. But now she's totally alone in the city. She doesn't know. She doesn't know where Skyler is. She doesn't have, you know, money. She doesn't have anything. Um, and then she managed to find her in the subway, which I don't know how you would find another person in the subway station if you didn't know where they were. Yeah. And she's making out with the creepo dude. Um, and she just stands behind the pillar and holds her hand and they hold pinkies. And it's obviously this, you know, moment of going like, you know, realizing that this is what Skylar is doing. Yeah, this is what second. she's sacrificing yeah. to, um, to help Autumn. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, these are the kinds of things that they need to do. And this is where it becomes very political because it's like, you know, these are the kinds of things that real people need to do on a regular basis um, just to live their lives. Yeah. Just to, you know, to get a medical procedure that they should be able to get. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of stuff like this came out a few years back in Ireland um, because we had a referendum to appeal the Eighth Amendment of our Constitution. So it was an amendment to the Constitution that put the right of life of an unborn child above the right of life of a mother. So you could not um, perform any kind of medical procedures on a woman who might be pregnant. Like, um, it, you know, there's a whole other thing. Like, I had a surgery. I'm not going to go into what surgery was, but I had a surgery, and I have to take a pregnancy test before the surgery because if there was any chance I was pregnant, I couldn't have any surgery. That's Because that's what it was like in Ireland. Um, so at the time of that referendum, there was a lot of like short films, plays. Um, my brother co-wrote a play that was on this kind of topic. Um, and it's all about, you know, it, and like, like these movies, it was about how people had to travel from Ireland to the UK yeah. to get abortions. I remember watching a particular short and it's two women in an airport and it's, you know, one who's clearly about 18 or 19 years old and the other is you know, um, in her 40s or 50s and they're both alone and they end up talking in the airport and the younger woman doesn't want to talk and it turns out, you know, as it goes on, the reason she's traveling isn't, you know, for fun or for family or whatever. It's she needs to go get an abortion. Um, and this is what, you know, this feels like, this moment where you're thinking this is what they are sacrificing to, you know, to just be able to get this procedure. Yeah. Um... So it's just really well done. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, so yes, with their money that they've got from Boss Stop, did he have a name? I've just called him Creepo Dude for most of it. Yeah, it's um, fitting. I can't um, remember if he ever said his name. He has the nice guy face and yeah. the way he's talking to... The, yeah, it's just everything. It's ups, upsetting to me as a man because as how blunt I can be to people. Um, I can read how other people feel based on my actions. Yeah. And I just tend to not talk to people in public because that's a sort of a violation of an unbroken contract. Yeah. 
You wouldn't just like walk up to, I personally would never walk up to anybody on public transport or in public and just strike up a conversation, even at the, yeah. you know, the times that I was single, I wouldn't just approach girls and just be like, hey, what are you guys up to? Yeah. Because I've had people approach me the opposite way. Yeah. And that's fine because there's a different power dynamic there. Yeah. yeah. Um, or people that I used to go to college with or something, you know, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's but, quite, in, you know, back home, it's quite common for like elderly ladies to strike up a conversation with you. You yeah. sit and chat with them on the bus or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, fine. Um, but some creepo dude who's like insisting that you give him your number and, you and you're know, on wanting, public transport wanting not... to know where you're going yeah. and you know um... it just reminds me of that uh, the moment from Taken hmm. you've seen Taken yeah, seen yeah, Taken. yeah where she gives up way too much information it's like you're yeah. traveling internationally do not tell anybody anything yeah. don't even tell people your real name unless you get to like yeah. if you don't know people be like oh yeah I'm, I'm Ruth or yeah. you know whatever like yeah I mean, it's, you know, a real thing about naivety, but I, I think in this, they're not very naive, but I didn't, I thought that she'd give them a fake number and she didn't. Yeah. I mean, it ended up benefiting them in the end that they were able to get some money from this guy, but the fact that, she, you know, to get money, she has to, you know, it's go off and make out with yeah, yeah, it is, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, they, they ride the subway all night, uh, again, taking turns sleeping. And then they go back to the clinic the next day. And the operating sequence, because uh, there's a huge difference in the uh, really never, sometimes always, and I'm pregnant with the tone of the sequence, which I'll get back to when we flip back, which actually, no, I'll do it now. We'll catch up to the operating sequence in I'm pregnant if you're okay with that. Um, I feel like we've missed a whole lot then if we do that. No, because no, they literally get the money... No, because we... Wait, what? In on Pregnant? No, 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 no. I'm saying we'll, we'll pause... Oh, we'll pause here and get and catch yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I think that you were going to skip to the no, operating scene no, on Pregnant. No, no, God, no. There's the funniest <laughs> fucking sequence in the entire movie in the sequence. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no, no. We're not skipping that. So, yes. Back in Unpregnant, uh, Bailey is gone. Veronica is back with Bob in the limo. They're both going somewhere. It's lots of sequences. Um... And, um, Bailey goes to see her father and yep. Veronica goes into a, Bailey is going to see her father. We don't know that. At this we point. don't know that. Veronica goes into a truck stop. Yeah. And talks to the guy. So she gets the she, drink. She gets the drink and the guy tells her that someone else came in. Yeah. He's like, what's with that drink? Is it a meme challenge yeah, or yeah. something? Um, and so she realizes Bailey is here, and she's wondering then, why is Bailey still in Albuquerque? Yeah, why yeah. didn't she turn back? And that's when it clicks, her dad is in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um. So she tracks down where her dad, where Bailey's dad is. And um, then you both have a sequence where Veronica is spying spying on yeah. Bailey, who is spying on her dad. Yeah, um, and it's important that when she gets out, when she tells the limo driver to go there, Bob, yeah. um, he says, you're going to miss your appointment. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, because this is the point where it flips and you, you know, she decides Bailey is more important than, because this, this is, the appointment that she has at this point is the latest appointment she can have. And, and still, still make it back. Yeah, yeah, still make it back in time for her parents not to figure out she ever left. Yeah. Um. So so she decides that 
her relationship with Bailey is more important than her parents not knowing that she's gone. Yeah. Yeah, so she goes, she finds Bailey's dad works in, what is it, like a garden centre? Yeah, I think he's owner of a garden centre because he keeps talking, like she mentioned it earlier in the movie, um, and then it's his excuse for not wanting to spend time with her daughter that he hadn't seen in three years. And he's basically just a complete nut. He's literally everything wrong with a with a male parental figure in this point. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out that the reason that he split with the mother was is because he wanted to be with her, and she wanted to have Bailey. And then there was a situation where they were just he was just like, well, I don't want to be with you anymore, so I'm gone. Yeah. So you know, first of all, he tells her she, she should have. Call Called the head. He's like, you were so always, yeah, yeah. He was like, you're always too so impulsive. impulsive. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, what do you want, money? You know, and he clearly doesn't want to see her. Um, yeah, and that's what he says. Basically, is he he didn't want children, and she and um, Bailey's mother did, and he wanted to be with her. So he thought, okay, I guess it's a compromise. And then as soon as he the relationship started to get rocky, he was like, well, I don't want to be with you, and I also don't want kids, so yeah. I'm out of here. Um. So, Bailey is upset and starts to leave, and then Veronica walks in and is like, really? And yeah. she, like, stands up to Bailey's dad on her behalf. Because he's a dick, and she just totally calls him out on it. Um, and then he's, like, not having any of it, and then when he turns around, she tases him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we ever mentioned... No, we didn't, didn't mention the taser. <laughs> the taser. But Bailey had taken a taser with them. For her mum's... Yeah, she's taken her two girls going across three states. Yeah. Yeah. By themselves. Um, yeah. So so that was their their weapon of choice to have a taser. And yeah. at this point, um, yeah. So I think she yeah she just walks up and tases them. Yeah, she walks up and tases them. They run away, and then Veronica like goes to apologize to Bailey, and Bailey's like, "You just did the best thing ever, which is tase my fucking dad." Like, yeah. <laughs> everything's forgiven. Um, and then they go. They jump back in the limo with Bob. Yep. They go to the, the clinic. clinic. There's and again, a whole lot of protesters outside. Um, and they ride they ride past the protesters in a limo, which is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then and they have a meeting with like a sort of like a well, goodbye with Bob. Yeah, and it's so cute. It's and he's very inspirational. He's very kind. And he's hugging them. And then he goes, "Thank you, Victoria." And it's like that's not yeah. her name. And then they go inside and he takes an STD pamphlet. Yeah, and yeah. And then that's the end of Bob. Um, and then we get to a note where I'm I'm going to apologize in advance for cursing here. Because I have written fucking Kevin the fucker. Yeah. Um, like that with, with caps. Uh, with with Kev- every second word capitalized. Yeah. Um, Kevin appears at the abortion clinic. Of course. Oh, he's already there waiting he's already when there they waiting. get in. And, and he knew about the appointment because yeah. he'd spoken to pro-life lady. Yeah, he'd spoken to pro-life lady. He knew where and when the appointment was and he'd gone and waited. And he was like, you guys are supposed to be here hours ago. And she's like, yeah, some shit happened. And she's like, what are you doing here? So Kevin um, says a whole lot of stuff and is genuinely really nice or appears that way. Yeah, he's a nice um, guy. He's being very supportive or whatever. And then she... Um, Still kind of turns... She just kind of turns him down. She's like, you yeah. know, I've realised, whatever. And he just goes, I was just, like, so nice. Um, at which point I've written, Kevin is an entitled shithead. Yeah. And then he takes a picture of her 
Is that what he does? And he says, and he basically he just blackmails. Well, first he tries to gaslight her. Yeah. And then he, and then when that doesn't work, he decides he's gonna blackmail her. And yeah. he's like, if you don't stay with me, I'm gonna tell everyone that it's you that's pregnant. Yeah. Um. And then she's like, no, I'm done. I'm done. He's obviously expecting, you know, he's a total manipulator. Um, and he's trying gaslighting, he's trying blackmailing, mm. he's been stalking her, etc, etc. Um, and she does, she's just not having any of it, so she tells him no. Uh, and then he says, which <laughs> is the stupidest line, but it sums up how entitled he is. He's like, it was going to be a surprise, but my dad bought me a jet ski, and now you're never going to step foot on it. It's like, she doesn't give a shit about your jet ski, Kevin. Yeah, I literally wrote down weird jet ski flicks. Yeah, it's like, no one cares about your jet ski. Honestly. You're a stalker, a gaslighter, a blackmailer, a manipulator, a creep. Like, everything about you is wrong and creepy and shitty. And you think she's going to care about your jet ski? Um, I'll go back to earlier, where... <laughs> He, the, where he got the money for the engagement ring was selling two of his four dirt bikes. Yes, yes. He sold two of his, his four dirt bikes yeah. to, to buy an engagement ring, which she then sold to be able to fund this whole expedition. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then they go in and she, you know, has a questionnaire or whatever, and then um, she has the procedure on the same day. So I, I wrote down the same day procedure is really interesting to me, especially in the USA where everything needs consultations and everything medical is cost an arm and a leg or whatever. Mm. So it's really surprising me that she's able to walk in and have a same day procedure. Yeah. Um, I guess great that she is. Um, I did think, so they have their, she has her procedure. Yeah. So it's sort of more where, never really sometimes always is very visceral it's in the sequence like the there's no escaping it and, it and it's up to a point where even the people are slightly out of frame to the point where it makes you feel their emotions and make you feel uncomfortable the opposite end of unpregnant is it just seems like this magical dream sequence yeah. where there's lots of little flashes and i obviously it's the movies are showing two different points of view. There's yeah. one saying, this is fine, you know, you're going to be looked after when you go to these places, don't yeah. be afraid to go to these places. And then also you're getting seen the harsh reality of, yes, it is, you're getting an operation, like you're going to be put under anesthetic. Yeah. You're going to have someone digging around inside you. And there's a very different tonal shift between these two movies and... You know, it, unpregnant is very fluffy. Yeah. And never really, sometimes, always, is very visceral and in your face. Yeah. Um, I wrote down then afterwards that um, she's surprisingly coherent for post-sedation. And she immediately, yeah. she's like, oh, I want to eat. I've been sedated and it's, you like doped afterwards and you're like yeah. trying to you can't there was like that, that meme video i watched the other day where the grandma was like you've been feeling okay and she's like i'm not high yeah like, yeah no, you've clearly been to the yeah dentist. i know i mean that's that's not sedation though that's that's um you know um the painkillers and stuff but if you've been sedated you tend to be quite woozy and yeah. quite whatever and she probably would be on painkillers as well after that kind of procedure um and then they realize that they've got $20 left and no way to get home. 
So Bailey and Veronica both call their moms at yeah. this point. No, they ate nachos first, which I thought was important. Oh, yeah, because she comes out of the surgery and is like, I'm really hungry. So it's funny because actually in they, both movies, they don't yeah. eat food afterwards, but in Never Really, Sometimes Always, it's explicitly stated she couldn't eat anything between midnight and her yeah. surgery. So the, when she's talking to the doctor before the surgery, she's saying, oh, I'm hungry. And she's like, oh, you'll be able to get food afterwards yeah. or whatever. So it's kind of explained in that one. And in Unpregnant, it's not explained, but then you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's why. Yeah. Bailey's giant list of unanswered texts were funny. Yeah, ba- yeah so, she, so Veronica's like, oh, I, I better call my mom. And Bailey's like, yeah, maybe I should too. And she's got all these texts. Scrolling through it, like, yeah. have you been murdered? Like, where are you? Yeah. Um, so they, they fly home, presumably paid for by one of their parents. Yeah. I don't know who's. Um, they get a taxi from the airport to Bailey's house first and then to Veronica's house. Yeah. Um, well, Veronica gets home. Or do we want to, or do we want to skip to never really sometimes always? Because you said you wanted to end with. Yeah, yeah I want to in in. Yeah. Okay, so we'll wait. So we'll skip back to never, yeah, yeah. and then we'll come back. So never really sometimes always after the procedure, she goes get food, um, and that's the first time you see her relax. Yeah. Is when she's eating food afterwards, um, and then that's basically it. They get on the bus. Yeah, so they use nice guys' money and get on the bus and go yeah. back to Pennsylvania. And it's a very quiet bus yeah. ride. And then she smiles yeah. on the bus and it cuts to black. Yeah. And that's the end of that movie. Yeah. And in, uh, but whereas in um, Pregnant, you get to see her go home. Yeah. And when she gets home, her mom is waiting on her bed. Um, she's clearly very upset. Um, it is, we didn't mention it, but it said very early, very early in the movie that her sister had gotten pregnant at a young age. So Veronica had been an aunt when she was nine years old. Yeah. Um, so her mom is saying, you know, um, this isn't a choice I would have made. This isn't a choice your sister made. Yeah. Um, but what Veronica says to her is, I know I made the right choice for me. And then she says, I'm afraid you're going to hate me for my choices, whatever. Um, and her mom is like, no, she's like, I don't understand it. I probably will never understand it, but I don't hate you. Yeah. Um, which is quite nice. And then it goes to school the next day. Yeah. Um, and she goes up to her friends and her friends are still being dicks and they're like, oh my God, we heard the news. Oh no. And she's like, oh, and they're like, you broke up with Kevin. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then they start like talking about something else. Like they move on to the next gossip thing and she just goes, Pregnancy test was mine. And they're like, what? What? And then they just go like, um, I can't believe you've been dealing with this alone. And she says, I haven't. And walks off yeah. and goes over to Hangs out with Bailey, yeah. Yeah. And that's how that ends. No. I, oh, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because it cuts to, in the credit sequence, yeah. um, they're going on another road trip. Yeah, they're going to Roswell. They're going to Roswell. Yeah. And in Bailey's real car. Yeah. Which is a shitty rundown, like, sedan. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so they're both fantastic movies. Um, I did, because we had mentioned that um, Sidney Flanagan was a janitor, this is their first movie. Yeah. Um, I had a look at the other three actresses. Um, so Skylar uh, is played by Talia Ryder, um, who has been in several episodes of Sesame Street and a bunch of short films, and mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, in Unpregnant... We've got Veronica, played by Hayley Lou Richardson, who was in Split, Edge of Seventeen, Law and Order SVU, Five Feet Apart, The Chaperone, 
Jane the Virgin, so she's been in a whole lot of things. I said she's been in 11 previous feature films, 7 TV shows, 3 TV movies, a video game, etc. Yeah. Uh, Bailey is played by Barbie Ferreira, who is in Euphoria, the TV, TV series. It's the only thing on her thing that I'd heard of. Um, she's in one other TV series and two short films. Uh, she also is a model. Um, and she started her modeling career by sending her own photos to American Apparel until they took her in as a model. So she was a model for American Apparel. Um, and then she ended up modeling for Aerie, Adidas, ASOS, Forever 21, H&M, Misguided, and Target, among others. What it says, uh, Time Magazine in 2016 named her as one of their 30 most influential teens. Hmm. And apparently she preaches body positivity and all that. So, um, so she seems pretty cool. Yeah. But obviously... All three of them have some amount of experience, whereas uh, Sydney was, who played Autumn, was, um, yeah, that was her first role. Yeah. Which is absolutely stunning, because she's amazing. Um, yeah, and it says one of the first non-binary actors to earn major rewards attention for their working film, um, uses she, they pronouns. So she described herself as a non-binary woman. Mm. Um, I feel like that's pretty much... All the notes I had were about that kind of stuff. So, oh yeah, the other thing I wrote, because I just thought this was a weird note, it was on it was on Sydney Flanagan's Wikipedia page. So, the director of Unpregnant, oh no, sorry, Never Really, Sometimes Always, is uh, Eliza Hitman. And Flanagan met Eliza Hitman when she was 14, and her and her boyfriend, oh sorry, her boyfriend was staying at a communal home shared by juggalos. While Hitman was and uh, director Scott Cummings were filming a documentary called Buffalo Juggalos. Wow. So she, so the director is filming a documentary called Buffalo Juggalos, and in this communal home that Juggalos live in, there's also this guy whose girlfriend is a janitor, who ends up being the lead role in this movie. So you never know where your big shot's gonna come from. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so really interesting. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like this is the most thorough we've been, uh, as, in, as shown by the duration of this, which is, at this point, twice the length of most of our regular episodes. Uh, so again, apologies for that, but we... No. We wanted to do it just No, not apologies, actually. We don't apologise. <laughs> Thank you for staying with Absolutely. us for this long yes. time. yes. Thank you so much for listening to this. Yeah. Um, and... Again, I recommend both films. Yeah, they are. This is at this point in time, which is, in my opinion, this is my opinion alone. Fucking stupid at this day and age, where we're having a debate now. Like we can go to space. Like there are robots on Mars, and we're still talking about should, you know, the a state or a government be able to tell women what they're allowed to do with their own bodies. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. And it's, in a majority of cases, it's old white men making these decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's, in my opinion, disgusting. Yeah. And, you know, that's... Well, you said we weren't going to get political. <laughs> I'm saying my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, Anybody so, who wouldn't have cared wouldn't have listened to the, the that's true. That's how true. long we've been going for. Um, like. No, honestly, actually, if you are, you know, if you if you view yourself as pro life, 
um, and you've listened this far, thank you for listening. And yeah. uh, I would, again, recommend both movies. They were about $7 each on YouTube to, to watch them. Um, Unpregnant was filmed for HBO Max, so it's on HBO Max if you've access to that. Uh, whereas Never Really, Sometimes Always is on Amazon Prime if you have access to them. Mm. Um, I don't think either of them got any kind of theatrical release. I think Never Really, Sometimes Always did the festival markets. Yeah, um, it feels... It says the only... I couldn't find right. any budget info or box office info for Unpregnant. I think obviously there is... It's in, you know, in streaming age, it's hard to get box office... Uh, especially for things that are made you know, for streaming. Yeah, that's um, actually a weird point that we should cover at some yeah, point. Yeah, uh, never really, sometimes, always. The first time I looked it up, it said box office was 299000 When I looked it up after we watched the movie yesterday, it said 407000 so it was, like, earned 100000 in the meantime. Uh, budget, all I could find budget information-wise was well under $100,000, but I don't know how much well under $100,000 is. Yeah, and I've seen movies that have cost $30 million and have been shit, so... Yeah. Um, but they're both, both fantastic movies and very informative. And just, um, obviously I haven't been... Well, not obviously, but I've, I've never been for the procedure these people go for. Uh, but I've been in hospitals. Mm. Um, and um, for the most part, they're very accurate to experiences of you know being asked your medical health or your medical records and things like that um it it's it's quite accurate and quite informative and i feel like we both learned a lot watching them yeah um that would yeah. not be the type of movie that i would pick to watch myself yeah and i'm glad that this podcast has given me the ability to watch movies i normally wouldn't watch yeah um, there are some on this list in coming future episodes and in the past episodes. There would be movies I would normally watch, but yeah, not not these these yeah. in particular. These, yeah. I mean, I know I'd heard about Unpregnant when it came out first, and I kind of thought, oh, that sounds like an interesting movie, but I don't know if I ever would have gotten around to it. Mm. Um, never really, sometimes always, I don't think I would have even heard of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that we did. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, you're right. We're not going to apologize for the length of this. This is as long as it needs to be. Uh, it's, you know, it's quite long, but, uh, we're not going to cut out the substance to make it shorter. Yeah. Um, this also is unofficially our Valentine's episode, <laughs> which I forgot. It's not happening. It's really, I think we're releasing this the 1st of February. Okay. Um, whereas the one that's being released on the 15th of February, which is more valentine'sy is not a valentine's episode um because it's our 15th episode so it's a fun episode um it's an episode because we i'm looking forward to it you're looking forward to it i won't spoil it for people listening um but our yeah our two we're planning to do a fun episode every five episodes but our number 10 was taken up by a christmas episode so we didn't quite get to to do our fun one then so this will be our our first proper fun one since... Those uh, were fun in since, a different way. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, play us out, Keyboard Cat. Yeah, so um, if you want to get in contact with us or follow us, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at ittakes2 underscore pod or on Facebook at ittakes2pod uh, or you can find us on our website at ittakes2.co.nz. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and also on these movies if you've seen them. Um, and if if you watch them based on our recommendation, we'd love to hear that too. So please yeah. let us know.
Until next time, stay safe and well, thanks for listening.